Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Good morning and welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. This is where top performers share their secrets to help you achieve your personal and your professional goals. I am your host, Denise Griffiths, <clears throat> excuse me, and together with my amazing guests, we bring you inspiring and actionable insights that are aimed to take your life and your business to the next level. Ranked in the top 2% globally, this podcast really is a must listen, and I mentioned my guests, it's all about them. So whether you're tuning in for entrepreneurial tips, career advice, or personal development strategies, get ready to turn inspirations into action challenges into triumphs and dreams into reality. And today I'm delighted to welcome to the show, Alison Caffrey. And our topic today is one you probably don't hear much about, parentpreneurs. We talk about entrepreneurs, we talk about solopreneurs, parentpreneurs, not so much. It's a very exciting topic. So Allison is a small business operations strategist. She is a best-selling author and founder of Operations Agency. And she is best known for helping streamline the back-end ops for a multitude of brands and using her Operations Simplified, that's trademarked framework, to unleash the power of small teams. Now, she left the board meetings, consulting eight-figure companies on their operations to serve, again, this wonderful word, parentpreneurs, parentpreneurs running small businesses. And Allison believes that if she can return fulfilled founders back to their families. This is so important. She can generate a much larger impact in the world. And her book, The Sabbatical Method, is on my desk as we speak, and I'll be digging into it with her. So good morning, Allison, and welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. It's good to have you here. Good morning, Denise. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Parentpreneurs. Are you kidding? When I heard that, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's an amazing thing to be. And I don't know why we don't hear more about it because, and I'm sure you've heard this, Allison. You know, you've got to have, you know, work life balance. No, you don't. For me, it's all the same. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can't split them up. And I don't care what anybody says. And when you're parents, and I'm not, but I have cats, and you know. I have feline office assistants and (laughs) it's, we can do it all, but we have to figure out what the most important things are that we need to do. Yeah, it's so true. And I think a lot of us do try to separate, right? That fallacy of balance is everywhere, right? It's, it's everywhere that we need to have work-life balance and, and all of these things. And I think for entrepreneurs, it's a beauty and it's a curse that that balance doesn't really exist, right? We can't separate two really fundamental things about who we are. And I do firmly believe that being a parent and being an entrepreneur actually makes you better at both of those things, right? Being an entrepreneur, I believe makes you a better parent and being a parent absolutely makes you a better entrepreneur. It makes you a better leader for your business. It does. One of my guests recently was Cynthia Covey Haller. Her father was Stephen Stephen Covey. And we talked twice. She was on here twice. And the most important thing that she was saying and trying to convey is exactly what you are. Mm. You know, just what you're talking about. Strong families make strong leaders and strong leaders make great business. 
Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's an equation, right? And I think it, a lot of us get wrapped up in all the things that we need to do, but as long as we keep the most important thing as, you know, the variable that we're solving for in the equation, then we can really tee ourselves up for massive success. I see moms particularly doing this, right? They're running their business and they're growing their family and they got to be all the things to all the people. And it's by default. I think that a lot of us try to do everything, but if we're in a position where we want to be wildly successful in business and wildly present at home, uh, we need to keep the main thing, the main thing. So that might mean outsourcing specific tasks inside of the business or saying no to some opportunities so that you can schedule them in for later in the year or years forthcoming and really just being intentional about understanding what the priorities are and making them as singularly focused as possible. Absolutely. And before we go too, too deep into the, the sabbatical method, which I really do want to dig in, I have to tell you, when you sent me your, I'm going to call it a headshot, but it's basically mm -hmm. a picture on your website, I cracked up. I really did. Here you're sitting in front of a washer and dryer with laundry. <laughs> sitting on the floor and you're smiling and I thought how in the world could she be smiling <laughs> so, let's talk about you before we go too deep because you've got this young family you've got mm -hmm. a lot going on and I really want our audience to kind of understand who you are and why you're doing what you're doing yeah. Yeah. So I actually transparently, Denise, get a lot of comments and compliments on my picture that I share <laughs> publicly, the one of me in front of the laundry, because um, honestly, I think a lot of us suffer through in the early stages of motherhood and we've got lots and lots of things going on. And I know that was my experience when I was three years into my business was when I had my first son, Frank. And there's this fantastic photo that my husband shot of us in the room that we were going to spend the night in. Just after I delivered him transparently, my hair was like still a crazy mess. And I had just, you know, gave birth to our son just a few hours before. And he snaps this photo. Frank, my son is sleeping in my arms. And in the next frame, the one that he didn't capture, um, I put my sleeping son in the bassinet beside the bed and pulled out my phone and started answering Slack messages and emails. Oh, no, no, no. You yeah, did. I did. And oh. You know, Denise, it was an interesting moment for me because at first I wore it like a badge of honor. I was like, look how dedicated I am to my business. I'm answering things from the hospital bed. Um, I hadn't yet even had a sip of coffee or any anything, right? We were just fresh in the room. And in the back of my mind, I knew, I knew that there are so few physical representations in life of where your priorities lie. And that was mine. I, I took a look and I was just like, wow, I don't want to set the tone for motherhood in this way. I don't want to set the tone for my business being the priority, especially over those moments that you can't get back. So I set out on a journey, not only for me, um, but then eventually for other parents in business to really start to define, you know, what does success look like in business and parenting and how can we safeguard the precious moments, that time that we know we won't get back um, with our families while also being able to thrive. 
And one of the things I know to be true about that is, is operations. That's where I cut my teeth. It's, it's how I've been working over the last six years in my company operations agency. I've helped, you know, seven, eight, and even nine figure brands really streamline things behind the scenes using repeatable process, setting up systems appropriately, training their team, setting key performance indicators, all of the, uh, the unsexy stuff that like really makes a business uh, run really, really well. And so I realized that at a smaller scale, right, parents who are running their own business who maybe just work together with a handful of contractors or, you know, folks who have really small teams and we've got the kind of Swiss army knife or, you know, employees wearing multiple hats type of vibe there. If we can start to implement some simple operation structure, um, all of a sudden founders can start to not only lead their business more confidently and, and be able to experience a little bit more peace behind the scenes, but they can be present for those moments. That's so important when you have a young family or any family at all, really. Mm -hmm. it is it's difficult to I don't know about you when I go to bed at night well when I think I'm going to go to sleep at night because I don't sleep a whole heck of a lot I never have <laughs> I think I'll do it later I'll do it when I'm dead <laughs> but it's, it's just never been a, a skill of mine and when I know that I'm just about to go to sleep I will you know turn whatever's bothering me over to my subconscious for review. And I'll say it out loud, kind of like you do your prayers. If you say your prayers out loud and at three eighteen every morning, an answer pops up, but I have been tracking those requests to my subconscious. And they're almost always about things that I did not get done hmm. and I'm beating myself up. Mm -hmm. So I think with what you're saying is with, you know, people with families and businesses and, trying to stay present for their mates, for their children, for their dogs, for the grocery mm -hmm. store. It's hard. It's very, very hard because we get so distracted and then we get mad. Yeah, because we've got that mounting to-do list in the back of our brains, right? We're constantly task switching. We're constantly role switching, right? Between business owner to mom, to sister, to friend, to partner, um, and it's just really exhausting, I think, for a lot of folks to try to stay on top of those things. But if we accept our role, right, as multifaceted, right, almost like defining what your role is in your business, if you say, hey, listen, I actually wear these eight hats and I can't wear them all full time, but I can wear them at these particular times. Um, something that I found really helpful that I frankly, you know, leveraged in my own home this year was I didn't want to say no to my kids a lot. Not in the sense of like, can I have chocolate or can I have this or that or the other thing, right? I say no to my kids often in, in that regard. But if they asked me for my time, I never wanted to say no. And I think I, I was inspired by a coach of mine who does this with his own family and I said, well, how can I always say yes, right? I'm running to meetings and I don't have this other stuff. And he said, he said, I block 90 minutes, you know, toward the end of my day as yes time for my kids. And mm -hmm. he said that it was amazing. And I said, this is, this is a really incredible thing. So what I've done in my family is I have 90 minutes at the end of the day is no technology. And if my son, Frank, when I'm downstairs filling up my coffee or jumping in to get something to eat midday, and he says, mommy, can we call her? I say, yes, I'm excited to do that with you at five o'clock today. Here's how that works. And I like, show him the clock or we'll set a timer or something like that. And it really allows for that, that thing I was mentioning before, the, the thing to stay the main thing, right? You know, the priority of spending uninterrupted time with your children and understanding, helping them understand that they are a priority in your life means blocking in that time during the day. But it also is teaching him how to schedule and what's important. 
Absolutely. It is. It absolutely is. Nice. I would have never thought of that. (laughs) Well, you know, you don't know what you don't know. You have to figure it out as you go or, you know, ask wiser heads or listen to this podcast and go buy this book. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Or just figure out what works for you. I was actually talking with another coach of mine earlier today. And I was saying to her, I was like, you know, I know that especially when you get into something, right, whether it's motherhood or, um, but, you know, entrepreneurship, business ownership, you just don't know what you don't know, right? Until you can learn from folks, you can read the books and you can do all those things. Um, but you don't really know how you're going to feel in the moment. And most importantly, you're not going to understand what works for you until you go in, you commit to following someone's process, and then you just tweak your way to success, right? So I always say to my moms who are expecting and, you know, they're, they're you know, running a successful business and they're like, how do I do this? How do I define my business after baby? I say to them, be married to this schedule, but not having a schedule, but not the schedule, right? So be married to blocking time and be, you know, really, really intentional about how you prioritize, but just know that things can change, right? 90 minutes in certain seasons, being tech-free with my kids every single day might turn into 60 during large pushes in my business, but it might turn into two hours in the summertime, right? When we go to the beach and we go hang out with each other. So those things can always be in flux, but always having, an intentional schedule because otherwise you're going to start to be living life. Um, I think Greg McEwen from Essentialism says this um, by, you know, default and not by design. Um, so you're always wanting to try to design, you know, your schedule and your calendar around the things that are important versus just defaulting to the to-do list, the task list, the email inbox, um, the things that other people need from you. I'm, I'm almost speechless. I'm scribbling this down. I can't write it quickly enough, but you're so right. And if we don't have a plan and if we don't have something of a schedule at the very minimum, we're walking around kicking tires because we don't know what our next move is. And we just don't know where we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to do, and really what's priority. Mm-hmm. Been there, done that. I still do it every <laughs> once in a while. I'll catch myself wandering around and going, what the heck am I supposed to be doing right now? And I have to go look at my schedule because mm-hmm. my brain just, you know, left. Well, there are seasons, right? So I yeah. think one of the most powerful things that I have really leaned into in this new season of entrepreneurship and motherhood is that realizing seasons exist, right? Because we can create the most perfect schedule for the holidays, but it doesn't necessarily line up with, you know, the summertime hours and schedules and all those things. And I think even in small seasons of weekly rhythms or, you know, monthly schedules or whatever that looks like exist larger seasons of life, right? So when you're early postpartum with your family, that is a season of life that is going to present its own challenges and requirements around your schedule versus, you know, when your kids are teenagers and let's face it, perhaps this may happen. They're not going to want to spend as much time or, you know, necessary time with, with you and with your spouse and whatever your family situation looks like. And so there are going to be times of, you know, intensity in both directions, right? You may be on a book tour, you may be in the middle of a launch. And so there are going to be things that we can always, you know, kind of maneuver and move around. But I think understanding that seasons of life exist and that we need to be 
accepting and open to those seasons and plan them really intentionally. Um, I think it's just, it's been an absolute um, difference maker for me and for the folks I've worked with. They just really embrace the change instead of really being invested and regimented in things staying the same. Well, they don't stay the same. No matter how hard you try and how much you demand, it's not going to stay the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can be in the middle of something and all of a sudden here comes a true emergency mm-hmm. that you cannot ignore. You can't push it aside and off you go. So, you know, there is that. But I love what you're saying about seasons because I've noticed that a lot. You know, we have even weekly seasons, you know, right now Mm -hmm. we're talking about the end of the month, the end of the year, it's the holidays, there's a lot going on. So we we can't really, or I can't at any rate, really stick with a schedule. I've tried. It's frustrating, and it's really not working well. So I've given myself permission to just kind of go, excuse me, with whatever is really important, and push everything else to, you know, maybe the first week of the new year. I don't know yet, but I can't keep beating myself up is my point. Oh, totally. I think if anyone is listening to this and they're feeling like you're feeling, Denise, where, you know, everything that they haven't done or the feelings of inadequacy have just been living, you know, rent free inside of the back of their their minds. I encourage to I did this um, this year which was another big momentum boost for me was instead of writing out the to-do list or things I needed to get done, I started writing out activities. Um, So activities versus to-do lists is a huge thing that I preach, um, not only in, you know, my client community and the folks that work directly with me, but also in, you know, my social media content and my very own podcast. And I really do believe that activities are proactive in nature and to-do lists are reactive in nature. So first and foremost, generating a list of activities you get to do for the day versus the things that you have to do for the day. Um, Generally just reframe that because then you, when you're kind of looking back, you say, oh, I got to do all of these activities. And if this didn't, you know, if I didn't do this activity, I get to do it tomorrow. Right. So I can, I I think it kind of reframes. It does. And I catch myself. I used to do this a lot. I don't do it anymore because I became aware of it and I became aware of how it made me feel. But I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to do this. No, I'm not. But if I say I will do this, I tend to do it because I just promised myself. Mm-hmm. And, and being true to block it into your calendar. I think a lot of this comes down to how intentionally we're blocking our time, right? Because a lot of, especially, you know, now that we're getting toward the end of the year and folks are planning for 2024, right? We've got big lofty goals. We've got exciting opportunities on the horizon. We want to create lots of different things inside of our business and for our family at home, right? Whether that's, you know, taking time for vacation or doing different activities or, you know, house projects or whatever that looks like for you. And I think think a lot of us, when we really sit down, um, this is something that my husband and I do every single year, is we take a look at what commitments we have that are non-negotiable. So we start with our family vacations and togetherness. We say, what is our vacation schedule look like? We want to keep that first and foremost on the calendar because then if we start to block in the times that we intentionally spend together with the family, either exploring new places or staycations at home or going to visit my parents or Steve's parents, it's 
it really starts to kind of shrink the plate, right, of available time. And I think we forget that that is true. So we kind of um, plan our year, at least I was victim to this, you know, in early stages of entrepreneurship, is I start to plan my year. You know, if I said we wear eight hats, I plan eight 12-month jobs, instead of planning one 12-month experience that incorporates all eight of those hats, right? How do I intentionally spend more time with friends? How do I intentionally spend more time with my mother? How do I intentionally spend more time with my spouse, with my kids, leading my business, doing any extracurricular activities that I'm doing? And I think once we start to chart it out, we realize that we do overcommit ourselves fundamentally. We can do that when we live alone. I do. I looked at my to-do list and you were so right about a to-do list. I'm one of those people. I started reading at three. I don't know when I started writing, but I've always had a to-do list. And (laughs) years ago, I realized that my to-do lists were works of art. They're color-coded. They had bullet points. They drove me crazy because none of it got done. A lot of it did, but at the end of the day, I would be beating myself up because my bullet list were done. It was just, it's crazy. And I realized that it was a form of insanity at some level for me. So I stopped. I still do a to-do list, but I keep it down to index cards. I'll take three index cards. I'll put the three most important things that I need to do, one on each card, and it can have a few little bullet points on it. But at the end of the day, because it's manageable, and I can see it, it's short, it's quick, it's do this, do this, at the end of it, and this is cathartic for me, I will take those cards and I shred them, because there's something very awesome about (laughs) saying done, really done, I can't return it because it's done. Mm -hmm. I love that as well, and I love the forcing function of having a small space to write things. Um, I personally also use um, post-it notes to write out my to-do lists and I make, I make one every day. Um, And it's, it's a great thing because there are, I mean, saying that they're not going to be to-dos, right. Are, are, are silly, but I think if we can root the majority of our calendar in proactive activities, um, something that I did a few years ago, this was before Frank um, was I used to wake up and answer all of my emails and kind of use my email as the guiding post for what I needed to complete for the day. It was very reactive. I was mostly responding to client inquiries and I was in a position where, you know, I would go through all of my stuff and it would be, you know, three, four o'clock and I would be exhausted. And then the thought of creating content or doing anything proactive or reaching out to potential partners or interviewing on a podcast, I just felt so drained. So I didn't want to do anything to grow my business. I was only reacting to the business that I had. And so it was a really challenging time for me. And what I did actually was I just flipped that. I said, okay, if I know that I need to do these things to grow my business and be able to serve my clients, I'm going to spend the majority of my morning creating because I noticed that I was more productive and proactive in the mornings. And then I usually block an hour to 90 minutes, depending on the time of the season for emails and for things that kind of come up throughout the day. Um, When I feel like my bandwidth is at its lowest, because let's totally face it, The bandwidth that is necessary to, you know, present a workshop and deliver a framework or coach your clients or things like that, right, is not necessarily the same 
level of available bandwidth that you need to answer emails. So just even noticing that when my cadence was throughout the day has significantly changed the way that I run my business because now I'm investing in its growth during the times where I feel most on during the day. I do the same thing with my family. I love breakfast. I love that seven to eight o'clock period. So what I do is I jump in get some important tasks done in the morning before my kids wake up. And then I'm able to spend 7 to 8.30 most every morning being with them during breakfast, during that kind of time where we're really setting the intention for the day. We sit together, we talk about things, we talk about what they want to do, what's upcoming. And it's just changed the the pattern of our days pretty significantly. It sounds like it would. I mean, and I know you've noticed this. We've all noticed it, that people don't sit around the table anymore. They're in front of the TV. I see people driving in their cars at three o'clock in the afternoon, gobbling down a burger. And I'm thinking, what the heck? Mm -hmm. Number one, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. You shouldn't be hungry if you're eating properly, which is, (laughs) and I know this, but you know, there, we, we don't come together as families as often as we should on a daily basis is my point. Or my observation anyway. You know, it's true. And something that I think, you know, I talk about this um, when I work with moms who are expecting their first kiddo um, and running their business is something my husband and I really did well, I think, was we sat down when we were having our first son, Frank. Uh, And I don't think this was by design. I think we ended up doing it because we'd run out of things to plan (laughs) Uh, sitting home, you know, in the height of the pandemic. He was born in August of 2020 um, and my husband was getting out of the military. So we had a surplus now of time between the two of us at home and we were expecting a little boy um, toward the end of the year. And I remember sitting down with him in like June or July and being like, what kind of parents do we want to be? Like, what is our, you know, core value set or our manifesto around what we really want to hold really high? And sitting down and sharing meals together was top on both of our lists. We like made a list and then we talked about it. And I remember thinking, both of us had shared this, that we felt like it was a core driver in the closeness of both of our families that we'd grown up sitting down and sharing a lot of meals together. So I actually intentionally block that time three meals a day. I have the the luxury and the privilege of being able to work from home. And so that might mean that I'm up working from, you know, five to seven in the morning so that I can go have breakfast with my kids and take a nice time away. And then same deal, you know, when, when we, you know, wrap this podcast, I'm going to go have lunch with my family. I'm going to sit down with them for lunch, which is a gift. It's something that a lot of people can't have is that three square meal a day, um, you know, really, really solid time to sit down at the table with their family and share those moments. It's so important. I mean, it's more important than I think either of us can really express, you know, that schedule, that time sharing meals put the phone stand. I have a rule in my house when I have guests, people always come here because I love to cook. I'm a good cook. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all holidays are basically here and they know they've learned over time, turn it off or leave it in the car. Mm-hmm. That's, those are the rules. That's incredible that you set that boundary. I think as you know, um, our kids are very young and we don't do a lot of screen time, but as we get older and they start asking for things like phones and iPads and 
they want to be talking to their friends and all that. Um, I can imagine that that will become a more intentional opportunity for us to lead them through that experience, you know, in years to come. Oh, no doubt at all. You mentioned that your husband was in the military. I'm on, um, I have the book open. And by the way, for our audience, the, the book is called The Sabbatical Method, How to Leverage, Rest, and Grow Your Business, which is what we're talking about. And in the very beginning, you say there's a few things you should know. And I love this. The first one is mission critical. <laughs> about that. So yes, I am the spouse of a former military man. Um, he was in special operations uh, for four years and six years total in um, the U.S. Army for uh, military aviation. So he worked on Blackhawks, he worked on Little Birds, um, and he was their crew chief. So he was responsible for all maintenance um, and air support. Um, and so it was really really interesting to go through that experience because when we were young adults, we also, we got married really young. We got married when we were 21 and we moved just a year later after he had finished his uh, basic training and then his uh, specialization training, we moved out to Colorado Springs. And a lot of the way that we developed ourselves as young professionals was really rooted in this military lifestyle, right? We needed to define the mission critical elements of what we were doing and then create kind of our our action plan, our safety plan, and our, you know, worst case scenario plan. And so I think about that a lot, especially as I work with folks on their operations and kind of when I started working off on my own, I was like, hey, listen, you know, there are some basic things that all businesses need. And I go into this really significantly in my Operation Simplified framework in the book is I'm like, you know, if we root this in something like Maslow's hierarchy of needs is how I position it you know, there are the basic things that every single business needs, right? We need to be able to really create solid, repeatable process out of our intellectual property, out of the things that we're doing behind the scenes. And we need to be able to plan quarterly initiatives that grow our business quarter over quarter, right? We need to be able to hire and bring people on into the business and kind of establish those core standard operating procedures. And I think over the years of working with companies, a lot of folks have told me, you know, well, things are really complex and we have a lot of balls in the air or lots of things are in flux. And I'm like, yeah, but what are the mission critical things, right? What are the things that we know for sure if they did not exist, it would halt growth of all kind. And I think thinking in that way has almost released a lot of the pressures that my clients feel around developing all the things that their business might need, but first focusing on the mission critical things. And that's why I use it. I use it almost as a filter and a permission set to say, hey, listen, let's table this for a second, ignore these things, but let's focus on the things that are actually drivers in the business. Why, and I'm asking this for me as well as, you know, for most of the audience, I think, <laughs> why don't we know what's mission critical? Why are we not paying attention? Oh, great question. I firmly believe that sometimes you can't see the label from inside the bottle. So what that means, particularly for a business owner, is you're in the day-to-day -day of the business and anything that crops up as, you know, a fire, right? You know, it's it could be a small thing, but it's urgent and it needs to be tended to now. You can start to place more importance on that thing because it feels disruptive in the moment. But when you zoom out you're like, oh, actually that was small, insignificant, and it really doesn't happen that often. So I'm trying to 
triage this thing that actually isn't really helpful for my growth. And so some, a lot of the benefit of bringing someone like me in, um, you know, for a lot of my clients over the past six years running operations agency is that they're like, you just provide a new perspective on my business where I actually couldn't see, you know, like I said, the label from inside the bottle, I couldn't see this one throughput or this one really simple shift that I could make in order to get my entire customer service team faster response times on tickets, right? So it's it's really, really a challenge, I think, sometimes to dive diagnose some of your own problems. I know so many folks in the field of medical, in the field of entrepreneurship and lots and lots of high growth positions where they're like, I need a coach to offer a different perspective than I can personally see for myself. And you know, it's amazing when we have a coach and we should, everybody who's listening to this, if you don't have at least a business coach and multiple mentors you better get busy, seriously. <laughs> but years ago, I had, she was my first business coach, and I've never forgotten this because she was listening to me kind of whine. I think I was whining and poor, poor, beautiful me. It wasn't pretty. Even I got sick of me. It was like Denise. Aww. But she was very quiet. And then she said, Denise, I went, yes, ma'am, because I knew she was about to hit me in the head. She said, what are you tolerating? Oh, it, it stopped me. I was tolerating an awful lot. And you know, who was the, the person that was creating these? Me. I was tolerating mm -hmm. me mostly. That stopped. I mean, I spent a lot of time examining who I was, what I do, what I bring to the table and going, discard, discard, shred, discard, discard. Mm -hmm. I stopped a lot of things that I was tolerating just because. I, I wasn't really aware of them and they took up so much time and energy. You know, it's, I appreciate you sharing that because I think it's helpful. And this is actually one of the foundational elements that I present in the very beginning of the book is that we need to hold extreme ownership over our situation. And it's one of our core values in our family. It's one of my core values over at operations agency and in, you know, my newest company master maternity leave you know, radical ownership over your life and its contents is going to be one of the most foundational, fundamental, but also freeing components um, that you can build in, in your life and in your business, right? I, I used this example that actually didn't make it in the book. So perhaps it's fun to share, but I wrote this whole passage about, um, you know, imagine you are captured and, you know, somebody throws a, a hood over your head and you're in the backseat of a moving vehicle. You don't know where you're going, what's happening. And then all of a sudden everything goes dark and you wake up in this room and you, you know, are, you know, bound to a chair and you see a figure walking across the room. And as they come into focus, um, it's you. Mm -hmm. And knew I you think were say that I knew it. <laughs> And, you know, it's funny. My editor was like, oh, this seems a little crazy. I don't know if we want to put this in there. But I actually, I love the analogy because I see so many entrepreneurs building a business that ends up being a cage for them. And that's why I wrote the sabbatical method. In late 2021, I was approached by a potential client. Her name's um, M, how I, Miranda, how I explain her in the book, um, because I, I want her to remain anonymous. Um, and she's expressed that to me as well. But she came to me and she said, Allie, I don't know what to do. I can't work in my business because I have advanced lipidemia and I need to have my lymphatic system drained several times per day. I'm the only one that can grow my business. I'm the only one that can coach my clients. She was working with folks from 
GoDaddy and Airtable and coaching high-level executives there. And she had no idea how she was going to be able to keep her business running while tending to her health. And the the realization that we had come to through kind of the initial strategy of how we were going to tackle this together is that she'd been ignoring her health. She was in a position where she built this cage in her business. And although she really enjoyed some aspects of running it, it really limited her time with her family, her time with her spouse, her time that she was able to focus on her personal health. And now she was, you know, really forced to reconcile with some of those things that she'd been ignoring. And the the analogy of, you know, really being your own captor and the person who holds the key is that when we realize that we've created this life that we currently have and we take ownership over changing it or improving it or whatever stage you might be in, um, it really is insanely freeing. And it was for my client who approached me and it has been for a lot of the clients that I've worked with is that, no, you don't have to do any of these things that you're really feeling pressured to do. You don't have to do all the marketing strategies. You don't have to grow your business to $8 million next year. You know, you you really are in a position where you can define what success looks like. And I've even worked with some clients who by trimming back half of their business made higher profit margins and were able to pay their people more versus that pursuit of more, 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 more. And I think defining that A, we have ownership and B, that we can create whatever life it is that we want, um, it really does, I think, just provide a freeing perspective on a lot of the the things that we feel ultimately, you know, pressured to do in our business and in our life. And I love what you said about, you know, pruning it back. Mm-hmm. I've done that a couple of times in my business and there's a, it's scary. Let's face yeah, it. Totally. Like, oh my God. You know, I'm going to have to, I'm going to lose part of my income. It's going to take time to build this part back. I mean, you have all of these discussions with yourself. I have these discussions when I'm in the shower because nobody can interrupt <laughs> me when I'm having my, oh my God, moments. But, <laughs> but that's also when I have God winks, I call them God winks or downloads because they're I mean, I take my showers hot enough to steam cabbage. So I'm very <laughs> relaxed. But you know what I do, Allison? I take bathtub crayons in there because I know I'm going to get great ideas. I don't mm. know where they're coming from. I call them Godwinks, truly. And I scribble all over, you know, the the shower stall. And when the, the fog clears an hour later, I will go in and take pictures. And yeah, that, that's a good idea. I don't know what I was thinking, but that one's good. And that way I haven't lost it, but I have found by doing this, by scribbling in my shower, that a lot of what I'm worried about shouldn't be worrying. I just let it go. Let Mm. it go. So like you say, it's not a priority, but you have to relax enough to figure out what's priority and what's not. Honestly, Denise, this is profound because I think it's actually, it's part of the sabbatical method, transparently. So I um, I think when we experience those great ideas or those um, profound moments of, you know, divine intervention in the shower or in any specific cadence, like I actually experience this quite a bit when I'm running. Um, I, I always say to my husband and he's like, how far are you going to go today? And I'm like, until I get the best idea, right. <laughs> I, just, I just run. And so it's funny because you're what actually happens is your cortisol levels start to lower. 
And you start to be able to and open to accepting those new ideas, those breakthroughs and those things. And that is what sabbatical does for us and our business, right? It lowers those cortisol levels. It pulls us out of the business so that we can offer ourselves that third-party perspective I was talking about earlier, right? Really get out of the weeds of everything that's happening so that we can find our own throughputs and so that we can accept new ideas around which way our businesses going? What impact we really want to make in the world? Are we doubling down on certain strategies and getting rid of others, right? So like, are we pruning back? Is that what we're being called to do right now? And it's it's so interesting, I think, because, you know, in any other physical feat that is demanding of our time, demanding of our resources, demanding of our energy, like summiting Everest or running a marathon, every single plan that exists to complete those difficult feats has a cadence of rest. And our businesses, we run them sometimes 80 hours a week, sleepless nights, and we're thinking about them constantly. And where is our high-performing cadence for rest? And I really firmly believe that establishing that is one of the most undervalued, overlooked aspects of running a business. It has ROI in tenfold, whether it's idea generation or creating a business that can just thrive without you, right? Positioning it for sale, positioning it to grow past just the founder. I mean, there are a ripple effects of benefits of being able to use this methodology, whether it's just, I'm going to take markers in the shower like you do, Denise, whether it's, I'm going to close my computer at 6 p.m. and create that outlet for me to just think and download what was happening for the day, reflect, do a little bit of journaling, whether that's taking a full weekend without checking your emails to be able to just be with your family and go do things that light your soul up so that you can return back to the following week really inspired and really rested or whether that's in a position where you're taking a full vacation with your family and not checking emails and not feeling like you need to jump on client calls. So I always say that the sabbatical method is kind of like 75 hard for business owners, right? There's a hard stop that needs to happen because let's face it, a lot of us are in a position where we're overdue to create some more rest in our life. And it's a lifestyle shift all in one, right? You know, really taking a look at how am I spending my days? How do I want to spend my days? And where can I incorporate more restful activities, things that really invest in the type of person I want to become rather than, um, you know, living in the urgency of the now. Living in the urgency of the now drives me crazy. I don't enjoy it. I really don't. Yeah, I like, I'm a thinker. I'm a reader. I like to be able to kind of plot my course. It doesn't work, but I like to think I can do it. I can't. Nobody <laughs> can. But I pat myself on the head sometimes. Oh, good girl, you did it. And then, I'm, oh, what's next? What's next? And I'm teaching myself to just calm it down. You know what I'll do? And this is another one of those weird things that I do, but when I'm, getting overwhelmed. I may be in front of my giant monitor. I just bought another one. I'm going to need a bigger house, but I just, <laughs> I'm a web developer. I live in front of monitors and yeah, I'll be in my chair looking at my, you know, looking at code or looking at something and my brain just goes and it's done. I can't think mm -hmm. I'm irritated. So I will literally, you're going to laugh at me, but I will live, literally pick myself up, go to the refrigerator, 
open my refrigerator doors as a French door and stick myself as far as I can go in there. Because you know how you go to the refrigerator, you don't know how you got there. It was just, you have no idea. You don't know what you want. You're open, you're thinking, well, maybe I what? why am I here? I will do it deliberately multiple times a day because it's a reset button for me. Yeah. Pattern interrupt. That's right. Exactly right. So, you know, I'm probably going at some point, if things get worse and worse and worse, I'm probably going to have a giant electric bill. But right now, refrigerator, (laughs) shower, and refrigerator. (laughs) So it works. But, you know, you're talking about you get your ideas when you run. I get, I do, I guess I fall into a walking meditation when I'm out at night with my dog. I mean, I will, not so long ago, we were out there walking and finally she kept tugging me, tugging me. We had passed my house twice. You know, we were lost. <laughs> she knew it. She wanted to go home. But my brain was on fire and relaxed all mm-hmm. at the same time, if that makes any sense at all. I'm sure. And I'm sure to a lot of folks listening, they haven't quite been able to pinpoint the why right behind some of the things that we're talking about and sharing. And I, I do firmly believe that doing things that light us up, uh, things that we enjoy doing and have nothing to do with work actually do make us more successful leaders, right? I'm working with a client right now who just finished an Ironman over the summer and he was sharing about his experience running the Ironman and and all of the training that went into it. And he even had a false start because he had gotten hit by a car actually one, oh my goodness, when he was on his bike training. Um, So it had delayed him for several months and being able to actually complete the run because he had to heal from the accident. But he was sharing about how impactful it was for growing his business. And, you know, sometimes you think, well, I can't run an Ironman because I'm running this business. I don't have the time to access. But if we start considering that, again, if we have one role and our job is to make ourselves the most multifaceted version of us, right, that we can, then you can start to see how investing in your health and in an Ironman would make you a better leader in your organization, would make you a better parent, right? And I think it's it's often that we silo these things out. It's often that we start to kind of say, well, I'm not working, so therefore I'm not productive. And I think it's one of the biggest missteps in, you know, parenting and growing a business and just being an all-around human being is that you don't have to be ticking boxes off your to-do list in order to be productive, right? You can be building these other areas and investing in your personal growth. And that does, by default, help you show up as a better leader and as a more effective you know, performer in your business. Absolutely. And again, we don't know these things until they're pointed out sometimes or we stumble across it or stumble, period, and realize, as Miranda, I think you said, had to change. She had to make some big, big changes in her life or she wasn't going to survive. Yeah. And we really want to, as business people, as humans, get to the point where we're looking at, can we survive? What have we done to ourselves? Sorry, my cats are having fits behind me. <laughs> That's okay. I'm so used to it. Our dog's downstairs barking and the kiddos are in the back. <laughs> I apologize. They think it's a podcast, P-W-D. <laughs> so you have mentioned a couple of times, and I wrote this down, throughputs. Explain that to us. 
Yeah. So they're kind of like efficiency, um, you know, spotting efficiencies or opportunities for efficiency. So I, I experience throughputs as, you know, if you think of a blockage, right, you have something that's kind of, you know, in there, but maybe it has a little bit of extra debris or maybe we're not doing it so efficiently. So it starts to create this blockage. And really what we want to do is define throughputs. So that could be, you know, eliminating things that are going through that system that might be contributing to the blockages, right? Our goal is to identify as many throughputs as possible in our business, right? Where things aren't getting stuck at a consistent cadence, whether that's a manual effort or a lack of knowledge or everything's, you know, a lot of time folks refer to these as bottlenecks, right? We, you know, experience that the founder is the bottleneck or the lead designer is the bottleneck because everything flows through them and we're really just subject to a human being's time and bandwidth, right? Versus, creating a system or process that we could reference and be able to, you know, really move past, you know, certain blockages, creating throughputs in the business. I'm glad you said that. And, you know, you said bottlenecks. I use that word a lot and Mm -hmm. something else because I'm almost always the bottleneck and I'm, you know, I'm honest enough with myself to say, well, get out of the way. Seriously, you know, you're <laughs> Denise, it's so common. It is. And I think, uh, you know, I've thought about this quite a bit, actually, as it relates to business ownership and, and you know, even parenthood. When our babies are little, it's really unclear when they start to be able to do things on their own, right? So the areas are very gray. You know, when should we, you know, let them, you know, go into their own bedroom versus sleeping in ours? When do we wean them off of breastfeeding or off of the bottle? When do we give them solid foods? When, you know, all of those decisions that you need to make. And it even goes up to, you know, when do we feel confident that they can walk home from school by themselves? Or when are they ready to go sleep over a friend's house? And I think those opportunities present themselves to us in parenting and they're unclear. We need to figure out, you know, is our, is our kiddo ready? Are we ready? Is the environment ready? How does that work? And, you know, there's several different associations and tools that you can tap into that help us, you know, really make those decisions confidently. But for our business, that doesn't really exist. And I think it's interesting because we start to consider, you know, like what are those gray areas in our business where if we're founder led, if, you know, we're a founder startup and, you know, we get a lot of the results for our business and we're the main driver and we're the fulfillment person and the marketing person and the salesperson and the lead admin and, you know, the HR generalist and all those things, then when does it become appropriate for us to start to release our grip on the reins of some of those things and give them to capable team members? Now, we there's really no framework framework for that. There's really no guiding principle for that. And so what I always ask my clients is I say, well, you know, everyone says your business is your baby, but when is your business becoming a capable adolescent? And when is your business becoming a thriving adult? And I think our goal in entrepreneurship, instead of having a business that requires a lot of our time, our goal needs to be that we are creating a business that thrives independently of us, right? Creating systems and processes and things around the way that we want things done and allowing others to contribute to that. It would kind of be the same as if we were still tying our kids' shoes when they went to college, right? That would not be a good marker of a great parent. We want others to establish relationships with them and form who they're becoming. Um, You know, my kids' relationships aren't only with me and my husband, right? And so I think if we consider that as the new 
mile marker or, you know, success metric, if you will, right, is creating something that can thrive independently of us, that can contribute independently of us and can form its own thoughts and opinions and has an ecosystem of people that support it. Um, it starts to shift the narrative a little bit around being the bottleneck, around being needed, because you're actually doing your business, your kiddo, you know, your relationships a disservice by staying in that position. Oh, absolutely. While you're talking, I'm picturing in my head a bird's nest because honestly, if you watch birds or even cats or dogs, their job is to raise their their young ones and then tip them out of the nest and mm -hmm. let them fly. And that I think that really should be what we're looking at in life and in business. Yeah, of course. I think especially too, as, as you start to grow, right? If your kid can look back and say, wow, my, my parents supported me, but they also believed in me so much that they generated opportunities for me to demonstrate my own value, my own worth. Um, that is in my opinion. And that's something that my husband and I talked about early on when we were about to become parents is, you know, we want them to understand that we believe in them, that we support them and we believe in them. And sometimes those look like different things. If I believe in my sons, I'm not always going to offer them the same type of support, right? Whether that be financial or whether that be a place to live or whatever else that looks like. Now, I'm not talking about abandoning my children, but I'm also showing them that, hey, listen, I believe you can do this. And sometimes that looks like, you know, not stepping in when they need specific help or not stepping in to solve their problem. And the same is true with our team. I see so many founders being burnt by hiring, A, because they don't prepare for that relationship and define what it is well enough for someone to be successful, but B, and probably the most common, is that they jump in to solve all of their problems for them in the first few months. And then they're like, oh, well, this person isn't effective or they're not doing their job. And I said, yeah, well, you never gave them the opportunity to fail. You never gave them the opportunity to learn. You just jumped in and it showed distrust, right? That's really what it does, right? It says, uh, I'm seeing that you have this opportunity to figure out this problem, but I don't trust that you can do it. So I'm going to jump in and, and, and solve it for you. And I think whether it's as a parent or whether it's as a business owner, our team really looks to us to help right? With certain aspects, but you need to really be understanding that, you know, again, people don't learn sometimes until, until they're able to have that at bat and, and fail. Oh, absolutely. I had a web client that was constantly complaining that longtime employee, longtime employee would never open the binder or go, you know, behind the scenes and get the information. She would knock on the door and say, how do I do? Mm -hmm. Well, you created that. Yeah, you know? Exactly. I mean, this is your fault, whether you you understand that or not, but you didn't let this person grow up. I mean, that goes back to radical ownership, right, Denise? Like if you take a if you take a real look at I create this environment in my business and I have created this behavior in my employees, then the question becomes, what do I need to do differently in order to help that person actualize this other behavior that I'm hoping, right? For. And I think if we start to consider, well, what does that look like? You know, I give them some tools or I give them some training or I give them something that can help answer some of those questions a little less ad hoc and a little bit more consistently, or I have a conversation with that person and say, hey, listen, I trust you. And here's what this looks like now and in, in this new relationship. I think it's really, really impactful. And I think our team and our and our children crave it. I really do. Um, the, the sheer happiness and excitement 
in my son's face when he does something that he didn't think he could do. And I said, hey, pal, I think you can do this on your own is worth its weight in gold. Like it's just absolutely incredible to see that excitement and how proud he is of himself. And that is true also of our team. I mean, folks on my team at operations agency, I'd n- I mean, never in a million years thought that I'd be in a position to lead such incredible people ever. I never thought it. And I have leaders developing all the time in my company just because I'm like, hey, listen, I trust you. Here's the amount of money you can spend to figure something out before you escalate it to me. And you have the training, you have the tools, you know, you can solve this problem. And I think that confidence helps them. Oh, no question. And, you know, when you're talking, you know, about creating confidence in other people, that is something that I notice it. I notice it online. I notice it with other people's companies. Friends will call me, you know, colleagues will call me and say, what am I doing wrong? I'm not a coach. I don't pretend to be a coach. I tell them, <laughs> get a coach. <laughs> <For start. laughs> get a coach. But they're smothering people by jumping in. Oh, and I did this in my very early years as a web developer. I would just go fix it myself because I could. It was quick. It was easy. Yeah. Bottleneck. Yeah, it's incredible. I think a lot of us need to understand the return on investment. Again, back all the way down root of the sabbatical method is the ROI of rest, right? Whether rest looks like stepping back from your business and letting your team get some of those results, which is really what we're talking about here, that return on investment of not just solving the problem quickly on your own, but taking that extra either time investment or monetary investment to let a team member go for that thing um, is is tenfold. I mean, it's out, it's out of control, I think, how wildly successful we can be both in, in our homes and in our business when we're able to kind of develop that system of removing ourselves. And it seems so counterintuitive, right? I know it does because it feels good to be needed. It feels really natural to want things to flow through you. And I see this present itself in business ownership and in, parent, in parenthood, right? You don't want to let go of your baby. <laughs> you don't you don't want to let other people help them. And it's it's so challenging and at times probably really confronting. I know I've experienced it both on both sides of the coin. And, you know, I think ultimately as I've worked through this and now have a system that I teach others, you know, to work through and that I leverage for my own growth, it's been a lot more helpful to kind of throw everything through kind of that filter of what is really mission critical. What do I need to be focusing on versus some of those, those other things that are clouding up my brain, really occupying my to-do list, but really aren't going to be utterly creating the life and the business and the, and the, home, you know, situation that I want. Exactly. Allison, while you're talking, all I can hear myself think in my head is you can't upscale yourself or other people if you're constantly in the way. Oh, totally. And yeah. I'm one of those people, I need to break it and then fix it. <laughs> it's got to be broken. And I had to be the one wielding this, the hammer, but I always fix it. I always find a way, but that's how I learn. Yeah. And, you know, Denise, it's funny that you bring this up because I I say this all the time um, to, you know, my community and to the folks who follow me is that, you know, I think operations at large, you know, it's very rooted in, you know, a really, really old concept back from like the 1800s around interchangeable parts is kind of when this all came about. And, um, 
a lot of small business owners and a lot of entrepreneurs, they use these really old antiquated definitions of what business operations are. And we've got these small business, you know, EOS operating systems and and clockwork and all the things that have come out for entrepreneurs. And they're all so comprehensive that they're almost stifling to implement. And I always joke that, you know, our goal for our business isn't to create operations so firm that they never break, because if they don't break, then it means we're not growing and finding new, more efficient ways to do things. I personally think that rest in and of itself, right, is rebuilding something that is strained or broken, right? We literally break our muscles and test our cardiovascular system to its max when we are performing any physical feat of high performance. And that's what rest does. It helps us regenerate and rebuild some of the things that we've broken. And that's what I personally feel like operations needs to be inside of a small business is the habit of defining, refining, and rebuilding the things that we've broken as we've gained massive success. That is brilliant. And I just wrote that down. Listen, now <laughs> We've got about five more minutes and I've got questions. I really do. Yes, yes. You said something about a new company that you've built, Master Maternity Leave. What is that? We hadn't talked about that before. Yeah, yeah. So I actually, on the heels of my second maternity leave with my uh, son, Jack, I mentioned that my first, you know, go at being a mom was a little rocky <laughs> with, you know, some of the priority around my business and my family. And, you know, between my first son and my second son, they're only 17 months apart. So I took two maternity leaves in two years for my business. And I had a lot of folks reaching out to me being like, how did you do this? Um, you know, how are you still growing? And, you know, your business, you know, relies on you a lot. And really what I set out to do was create a, you know, way that my business uh, and my family felt like they could grow together because I didn't want to have to choose between growing my business and growing my family. There was a lot of time between, you know, my pregnancy with Frank and my pregnancy with Jack where my husband and I would have these conversations like, you know, what does this mean? Does this mean you need to work less? Does this mean that we're not going to be able to actualize some of our family dreams? And those conversations, honestly, they gutted me. I, I never, I didn't want to be the reason why, you know, we couldn't, you know, move to the home that we now live in. I didn't want to be the reason why my husband needed to work and, you know, couldn't, he actually went back to organic farming uh, school this year. And it was just, we had so many things that we wanted to do. And I remember thinking that there had to be just a better way to make sure that the business was really durable and that we could invite this new family member in, not feeling stressed and overwhelmed. And like we were saying no to everything else in order to invite this new kiddo in because that just kind of builds silent resentment, right? I mean, I didn't want that for my family. And so what I did when I was postpartum with my second son, Jack, is I created this curriculum called Master Maternity Leave. And it's for business owning women who are going out on maternity leave, who are inviting a new family member into their home, whether it's their first kiddo or their second or third and they're in a position where they really want to grow their family, spend that intentional time in the fourth trimester or perhaps before they, you know, invite their new baby in prepping the nursery and being at home and, you know, really soak it in that time with their newborn. 
and also be able to keep everything from burning down inside of the business. Because just like sabbatical, right, we can be in a position where when we start to take time off from the business to focus on some of our personal life, it can be really, really challenging. And I went through it in the early stages of my motherhood. I've helped dozens of women who have been struggling with the same. And when I was working through some of the the curriculum, I was looking around, I was like, what exists? You know, how can we get financing? And how can we you know, really create systems and start to delegate things and, you know, reposition some of our production calendars and all those, you know, behind the scenes decisions that you need to make when you're about to go out of the business for a while. And so I said, you know what, it doesn't exist. I'm going to make it because I know it's a huge need for women. I'm I'm, I want to say shocked. I almost did say shocked, but I'm (laughs) stunned actually that, that this even exists or didn't exist. I mean, how could it not exist before women have babies all the time, have done so for, I don't know, since the beginning of time? How was this overlooked? It's actually really challenging because when I was when when I was pregnant with Frank, my first son, like I said, my husband was in the military and we were losing his benefits just three months after um, having him. And so that was a lot of the pressure that I had felt to continue working and to continue moving things forward because we were losing his salary and we were losing his benefits just three months later. So I was becoming sole breadwinner and we needed to figure out a way to supplement with the benefits because, uh, man, newborns have a lot of doctor's appointments and a lot of things that they need to get done. And so my research at the time was really underwhelming. There was, there was a lot about, you know, employees and there was a lot about benefits for folks who are unemployed or any, in any of those things, but for self-employed women, There are an astronomically low amount of resources, both on the financial side, on the benefits side, of the training side, of how to kind of navigate this and, and, you know, kind of go out as an owner of a business. And um, I I just, I knew that this was something that someone else would need after, after I'd gone through it. Where can people find it? I'm almost speechless. I have to tell you. Uh, well, our website is mastermaternityleave.com. Um, we are very excited about a lot of the things that we're building for 2024. Um, we have a curriculum and a, and a signature course there and some free resources as well, including our blog, our maternity leave planning guide. And um, I also host a podcast called Growing Pains, where I interview moms who are growing businesses and growing families simultaneously, just kind of chatting through some of the the things that they're going through and the ways that they make everything work and what's been wildly successful for them. And it's, it's really, honestly, Denise, been kind kind of a gigantic soul hug for me. It's one of the big things that I learned on the heels of being a mom is that I do believe motherhood is one of the most incredible, uh, you know, bouts of leadership training that any any human being can go through. And I think entrepreneurs are especially primed for this experience. I think that, you know, we can create the maternity leave of our dreams and not be in a position where we feel like it stifles our growth, but really accelerates us into the new version of business and and life that we want. Allison, would you be willing to come back in the new year, say March or April, and talk about the maternity program? 
Oh, of course. Of course. I'd be honored. I think, and I said this just earlier, like if, if this helps one other mom get connected with resources that they need, I think it would, would all be worth it. I think for me, you know, my first leave and entering motherhood as a business owner was a really challenging time. We really white knuckled it through that experience. And I felt like when I had my second leave with Jack and I was really intentional about creating that space for him, I felt like I was given a second chance at being able to do motherhood the way that I really wanted to. And I know it set us up for, you know, just so much success in our family um, ever since. Yeah, it's very intentional. And I think what you've been sharing here today is absolutely brilliant and needed. And I thank you for that. Listen, before I let you go, and I'm reluctant to let you go because I still have <laughs> questions. So please. I'll come back. I'll come, come back. back. <laughs> so tell people, you've got a checklist. We're, I'm, you know, back at the sabbatical method. And I wanted to, to mention this. You've got... um and I have to say this very quickly, each chapter in the sabbatical method has a critical action and there's an ex mm -hmm. exercise or an action to complete and improve the operational health of your business to clarify, to clarify my cat, where you may be, <laughs> she's 18 years old, has, <laughs> I'm calling, she's, she is um, a diabetic and I think she's pretending that she has you know, kitty dementia because she's constantly telling me she's starving and she just ate an hour ago. <laughs> I'm arguing with her while I'm talking with you. But tell people where they can find your book, where they can find both of your websites or anything that you want to share. And then when we're done, I will get you back on the show because everything you're sharing here is so important. Thanks, Denise. I really enjoyed our time together too. And I also think that I could easily stay for another hour. So I'm excited to join you again in the spring. If anybody listening wants to get their hands on the book, it's on Amazon. If you just search The Sabbatical Method, you should be able to find it. My name's Allison Caffrey. Um, and then if you are really looking for... Um, support kind of working through this framework. I also created a free toolkit to go alongside the book. So you can get that at operationsagency.com. If you navigate over to the sabbatical method, you'll see all the resources in the toolkit and everything. And it's really helpful, I think, to work in the toolkit alongside reading. I wanted this to be a very action-oriented book because I think a lot can be explained in theory and we understand in theory, right, how to eat healthy and exercise and do all those things, but then putting it into action is a whole other story. And I have have a huge bias toward action. So I want to help people make some momentum and start to really actualize the theoretical changes that we talk about in the book and in life and business. So the toolkit's absolutely free um, and you can absolutely go in and grab that um, at operationsagency.com. Thank you, Allison. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your company today. My eyebrows have hit my hair <laughs> a couple times. I've been scribbling like crazy. I'm like, ooh, ooh that's right. Ooh. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad I mute most of the time so you don't hear me going, oh, my God. <laughs> so anyway, uh, thank you. Uh, oh, thank, thank you, Denise. This was so uh, fun. I think it was, too, and so enlightening. And spending time with you has been a genuine pleasure. You've already shared your online presence and your preferred means of contact. So... For our audience, as we conclude today's episode, your feedback means a lot. And if you found the show helpful, please support us with a quick review on iTunes. Your input is vital in my mission to inspire and empower more individuals. And don't forget to hit subscribe, leave a review, and share your partner in Success Radio with friends and colleagues. And be sure to find Allison Caffrey on the web and connect with her. Go to her 
her websites, connect with her on LinkedIn, here, there, and yonder. And everybody, thank you for tuning in. Allison, thank you. Thanks, Denise. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.